I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome into the Arts After College podcast. My name is Kyle Ireland, and I'm happy to be with you guys today because we got to talk about some NFL games. We got to talk about actual games that were played over the weekend. It was the first week of the NFL season. It started off on Thursday night with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans, and then we had a jam-packed day of football on Sunday, and then we had a doubleheader for Monday Night Football, which was awesome to kind of close and wrap up the week to open the NFL season. There were a number of great performances by locals in the NFL, guys that played college football or high school football in the state of Utah. You know, some really great rookie performances as well. You know, some guys that were drafted in the 2020 NFL draft had their first NFL games and really balled out. We're going to go over all their performances today. And we're going to talk about, you know, the highs and lows. We're going to talk about some roster news from this week and a new addition for one of the NFL locals. And then we've also got a special guest today. We've got KSL News Radio's very own Tim Hughes. He's also the PA announcer for Utah football games at Rice Eccles Stadium, but he's got a new gig. He's going to be involved with the NFL down in Las Vegas with the Las Vegas Raiders and Allegiant Stadium. He was recently hired as the public address announcer for the Las Vegas Raiders and Allegiant Stadium for their home games. So we're going to talk to Tim about that opportunity. The Saints and the Raiders are going to be on Monday Night Football this coming week. And so we're going to talk about Tim's opportunity with the Raiders and then also that game coming up. And the fact that there won't be any fans in Allegiant Stadium for that opening game for the Las Vegas franchise. So we've got a jam-packed show today. Let's kick it off with a segment that I'm going to call Instant Replay. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. On this week's Instant Replay, we've got a number of guys that I want to talk about. I mean, there's so many guys that are locals in the NFL that we're not going to be able to run into you know, all of their performances and cover what they did over the weekend. But I wanted to touch on the highlights, and I wanted to talk about some of the big names and what they did over the weekend. Uh, there's nearly 30 players just from the University of Utah, and so we're not going to be able to talk about all of these guys. But I wanted to start talking, mentioning Zach Moss and talking about his performance in his first NFL game. Zach Moss and the Buffalo Bills, they played against the New York Jets and came out with a 27-17 win. Zach Moss carried the ball nine times for 11 yards, and he also had three catches for 16 yards. One of those catches went for a touchdown. It was early in the first quarter. The Bills were on second and goal. 
uh, within the four or five yard line there. And uh, Zach Moss, you know, he hooked up with Josh Allen for a nice catch. And uh, it was it was nice to see Zach be able to get into the end zone in his first game. Uh, moving on to our next local I wanted to talk about today was Jalen Johnson, former Utah cornerback. Uh, he uh, had a rough go uh, on one play. Marvin Jones for the Detroit Lions kind of trucked him on a play and sent Jalen onto his back. And, you know, the, the commentators during the game, they said, you know, welcome to the NFL, Jalen. Well, Jalen ended up, you know, kind of getting the better end of the deal there at the end of the game because as time was expiring, uh, Detroit Lions quarterback Matthew Stafford, he tried to find Marvin Jones in the end zone and Jalen was there to break up the pass. He finished the game with not only that game ceiling pass breakup for Chicago's 27-23 to win over the Detroit Lions, but he also had two pass breakups in total. He had six tackles, including five solo tackles. So it was nice to see Jalen out there performing really well in his debut. Another guy that I wanted to mention was Devontae Booker. Uh, he didn't have any touchdowns, but I thought it was nice to see uh, Booker out there for the Las Vegas Raiders in their win over the Carolina Panthers because, you know, last season he didn't have many touches with the Denver Broncos. And this first game with the Raiders, he had four carries for 29 yards, and then he also had three catches for 23 yards as Josh Jacobs backup so it was nice to see him kind of get into the mix there for the Las Vegas Raiders in their win over the Carolina Panthers next up we've got Marcus Williams former Utah safety Marcus had an awesome interception it was a it was an interception thrown by Tampa Bay quarterback Tom Brady Brady you know had some miscommunication on a route with Mike Evans the ball sailed over Evans's head and it landed in Marcus Williams' arms. Williams returned the ball about 17 yards or so and uh, put the Saints into a nice scoring position where they got a touchdown on their next possession. Uh, He finished the game with one tackle, the interception, and a pass breakup, and the Saints ended up beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 34-23. It was nice to see Marcus Williams get another interception. He's just becoming a ball hawk for the New Orleans Saints. Another former Utah defensive back, Marquise Blair, had a nice performance in the Seattle Seahawks. 38-25 victory over the Atlanta Falcons. Blair had a forced fumble in the game. He also ended up as the Seahawks' second-leading tackler with seven total tackles and four solo tackles in their win over the Falcons. Uh, Alex Smith, of note, wasn't active for the Washington football team's 27-17 win over the Philadelphia Eagles, but he did warm up before the game. Uh, Moving on to the BYU Cougars, we've got former running back Jamal Williams. Jamal had seven carries for 21 yards and four catches for 21 yards in the Packers' 43-34 win over the Minnesota Vikings. Daniel Sorensen for the Kansas City Chiefs, former BYU safety, ended up with the first tackle of the 2020 NFL season. He ended up finishing off the Chiefs' 34-20 win over the Houston Texans with two tackles. Former BYU linebacker Kyle Van Noy in his debut with the Miami Dolphins had five total tackles, three solo tackles, and a tackle for loss against his former team, the New England Patriots. The Patriots ended up coming out with a 21-11 win over the Dolphins. Former BYU quarterback Taysom Hill and the New Orleans Saints defeated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 34-23. 
He'll finish the game with one pass completed to Alvin Kamara for 38 yards. He'll also have three carries for 13 yards and a catch from Drew Brees for 14 yards on the Saints' opening possession of the game. Moving on to the Utah State Aggies, or former Aggies, that is. Quarterback Jordan Love was not active for the Packers' 43-34 win over the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how the Packers utilize Love now that he's the third-string quarterback and, you know, if he moves up the depth chart throughout the season. Uh, Former Aggie cornerback Nevin Lawson served a one-game suspension for the Raiders during their 34-30 win over the Carolina Panthers. And former Utah State linebacker Nick Vigil had five total tackles, three solo tackles, and also a fumble recovery in the Los Angeles Chargers' 16-13 win over Vigil's former team, the Cincinnati Bengals. It was Vigil's first game with the Chargers. Moving on to the Weber State Wildcats, former Weber State cornerback Taron Johnson had five total tackles, four solo tackles, and a pass breakup in the Bills' 27-17 win over the New York Jets. So those were some of the highlights from the local guys in the NFL. We've got some stories written up on KSLSports.com highlighting you know, those big performances, the, the big plays by these locals in the NFL. And we're going to continue to do that throughout the NFL season. So whether you know it's a big performance on Thursday night, we'll have a story up on that for you before the weekend. Or on Sundays, we'll have all of the highlight plays. You know, if Taysom Hill throws a touchdown pass, we're going to have that up on kslsports.com for you. We'll also have Marcus Williams runs back a pick six. Any of those big plays from former Utes, Cougars, Aggies, Thunderbirds, Wildcats, you name it, high school players, we'll have it up. So we're going to take a quick break and talk with Tim Hughes on the other side. We're going to talk about Tim's opportunity with the Raiders as their public address announcer for the Raiders home game. So we're going to take a quick timeout and we'll have my conversation with Tim Hughes on the other side. Welcome back into the Yards After College podcast. We are happy to be joined now by... KSL News Radio Zone, host of the morning show with Amanda Dixon, Tim Hughes, who's also public address announcer for the Utah football team at Rice Eccles Stadium. Uh, you may have seen him with Glory Kickboxing. You know, he's been in the broadcast industry for a number of years now. Happy to be joined by Tim. Tim, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Kyle. I'm glad you reached out to me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk with you, Tim. I found out a couple of weeks ago that you were going to be taking this public address announcer job with the Las Vegas Raiders. I almost said Oakland Raiders there. I, I, I'm getting into the <laughs> habit, but I almost slipped there. And, uh, you know, it's the first season for the Raiders in Las Vegas. Uh, Allegiant Stadium, brand new, you know, billion-dollar stadium down there, beautiful. And, uh, you know, it's cool because, you know, Utah football fans or, you know, NFL fans in general now have a team – you know, now five, six hours down the road, as opposed to, you know, the Broncos nine, 10 hours away. It's, it's cool to be able to have a nearby team. And I wanted to kind of get your perspective on that. But I wanted to start off, you know, you've got a number of years in the broadcast industry, you've, you know, worked in football, you've worked in kickboxing. And I wanted to, you know, talk about, you know, how did you get into broadcasting and caused you to really, you know, search that out as far as a career? Well, uh, this is going to date me, but uh, 2019 was my 40th year of uh, doing radio. So I've been at it a long time, but I graduated high school in 1977. 
And uh, there was a kid up there that um, while we were in high school, he got the opportunity to do a night shift on a radio station in Pocatello that was called KSEI. And they may still carry those same call letters. I don't know. But uh, he got the gig because his dad owned a uh, clothing store up there and was a big advertiser on the radio station. So we always thought he was like, you know, the king of kings because he was on the radio while we were still in high school. And I kind of got the bug then. And so when I graduated, I looked up uh, broadcast schools and there happened to be one in Salt Lake City. And uh, I just made the two and a half, three hour drive down, lived here for uh, a year going to broadcast school and then went back to Idaho to get my first job. And uh, after only about, I think, four months or something, I got the call to come back to Salt Lake City. And amazingly, I've been here ever since. Um, Radio is kind of known as a transient <laughs> uh, career. You know, you bounce around a lot. But I've been really, really lucky and spent my entire career, with the exception of those first few months here in one uh, one city. So, how did you find out about this Raiders gig? Did they reach out to you? Did you reach out to them? What was the process like in being able to get this job at Allegiant Stadium for the Las Vegas Raiders? Well, let me back up a little bit because uh, my years in radio here in Salt Lake. I started in country radio at KSOP and worked there for the first uh, nine years and then came to KSL the first time in uh, 1988 and did morning drive back then. A lot of people don't remember that, but I I was uh, hired to do weekends. And within a few months, they were asking me if I'd consider taking over the morning show, which was a big shocker. Uh, And I did that from 1988 to 93. And then I bounced around uh, over to uh, launch KNRS uh, and did Utah's Morning News with Hendricks and Hughes over there. Bob Hendricks was my news guy. And uh, then uh, when that uh, job went away, as I was mentioning a minute ago, radio tends to be uh, be a little unsettling sometimes. Uh, I started a studio here at home. So I started doing voice work for various uh, clients and things and just doing radio part time on the weekends. Uh, which kept me busy, but also gave me the opportunity to do a lot of different announcing jobs. And so most of the last decade, I've been traveling the world all over Europe and uh, to China and Japan, uh, being a ring announcer for Glory Kickboxing. And I fully expected that radio would continue to be a part-time thing for me. And I would just take advantage of the opportunity to have somebody else pay me to go see the world. (laughs) Uh, And I was really enjoying the ring announce work, which I'm still doing off and on now. Uh, And oddly enough, it was that job. It was a a video of mine that's on YouTube that caught the ear of the game day producer for uh, the Raiders. They were searching on YouTube for voices and um, my, my, uh, home, my, my tag on uh, YouTube is voice by Hughes. So my guess is that when they, you know, searched voice, one of my videos was among those that came up and uh, he listened to it. He, uh, they had my name on the lower third as the ring announcer, the principal voice for glory kickboxing, which he Googled me, then found my website, which led to an email. And I mean, it's crazy. When, when the email first came to me, I read it. And, you know, there's so many scams going on digitally these days. I read it, was unsure whether it was real or not. I took my phone up to my wife and I just set it on the counter in front of her. And I said, read that to me and see if it says to you what, what I think it says. 
And uh, sure enough, it was the game day producer for uh, the Raiders. He wanted to talk to me uh, about any interest I might have and whether I'd want to throw my hat in the ring for uh, being the stadium announcer. You know, you with the Utah football team and, and Rice-Eccles Stadium, what, what is that going to be like for you, do you think, you know, going from the experience of you've, you've done kickboxing, you know, Utah football, and they've got an outdoor venue, but now you've got an Allegiant Stadium, which is a dome. Is there a bit of a difference by, you know, having your voice be inside versus outside? Have you noticed that? Um, I don't notice that so much, uh, but the size of the crowd, obviously, is going to be a little bit different. When uh, fans are allowed into the stadium down there, it'll be 65,000 versus 35 to 40,000 people that we have up at uh, Rice-Eccles Stadium. But uh, again, everything has just sort of fallen into place for me. Um, They liked my announce style in Vegas, uh, but also wanted to know if I had ever done any high-level football. So the fact that last year, my son and I, who is my my spotter, by the way, uh, my son and I took over um, the announcing and the spotting work up at uh, the University of Utah after Mike Runge had done it for, I don't know, maybe 40 years or something. And that was uh, an honor that we were really excited about because we were season ticket holders at the U anyway. Uh, But having that experience and understanding what a uh, stadium announcer or PA does for football actually, uh, you know, gave them some comfort in uh, Las Vegas that I would at least know some of the ropes when I arrived down there along with my announcing uh, skills through the years. You mentioned your, your son and he's had the opportunity, like you said, to work with you at Utah football games. Is he going to continue to do that in the same capacity with you with the Raiders? He is. And when I got the email and then I had my first conversation with him down there, I, I sent him a text and I said, uh, Hey, would you consider uh, being a spotter for the Las Vegas Raiders? <laughs> His head about exploded, obviously, uh, because it was the farthest thing from anybody's mind. But uh, when you get that call and you get that opportunity, of course you take that. And the Raiders kind of like the idea that my son and I already had a system between us because they were going to have to fill that spotter role anyway. And they said, look, if he's flexible enough and wants to do the job, uh, we'll bring him down with you, see how it goes. And, uh, uh, you know, we've, we haven't had game time experience yet, but we plan on showing our stuff coming up for Monday Night Football. And you mentioned Allegiant Stadium and the fact that there aren't going to be fans there to begin with this season for the Raiders, obviously, with the pandemic. A number of NFL stadiums are going to be empty like we saw this opening weekend. You know, what are your thoughts on having your first game there as the PA announcer in Allegiant Stadium for the Raiders be without fans. You're just going to be announcing like you normally would, but there's not going to be 60,000 like you mentioned. There's going to be a limited amount of personnel for each team and then the players. Yeah, and I you know, I, I don't mind it at all. Obviously, it would be better energy if there were 65,000-plus people there. Um, but I think the way the production uh, department there uh, in Vegas, the Raiders organization, is looking at it is they have a brand-new building. Uh, The team is new to Las Vegas, and from a production side, they're almost looking at it like a soft opening for, you know, an amusement park or something where they're going to have the chance to really hone their skills and and get uh, a rhythm within the team, the game day team. So it's an advantage in that way. And 
they take it very seriously and they should that they want to create as much of a home field advantage for the Raiders as they can. And I think you've seen that with some of the coverage. If you watch any of the football in the first couple of weeks, you know, some of the teams have really gone all out with uh, crowd chants and uh, swells of uh, cheering and things on big plays. And so, um, you know, it's all about making the team feel like there's a crowd in the stands. Uh, Not much worry about how we feel about it, but we're trying to create an environment that the team can thrive in. Now, Tim, I know that you've been down to Allegiant Stadium already, and you've had the privilege to, you know, look around that $1.8 billion monstrosity, that Death Star that, you know, I I just think it looks so sleek. Opposite of the strip on the other side of I-15, and uh, it looks like, you know, something that you see out of Star Wars pretty much. But, uh, you know, $1.8 billion, what did it look like when you went down there? What did you think? It's impressive. I don't know any other way to put it. Uh, When you walk in there, anything, and if you saw any of the video when Gruden first walked onto the field, he himself was stunned. And he turns to to, um, Mark Davis and he says, you know, it's one thing to envision this or um, put this on paper, but it's another thing to walk in and see this amazing building. And and of course it does, uh, on that one end with the glass, it faces uh, the strip. So they have lots of options there. If they're going to have a concert or something, they can close big black curtains and shut off that window. They can open up the curtains so you can just see uh, the um, strip in the background, or they have the ability to open up those windows and let fresh air in, which, you know, isn't much uh, when you think, when you first uh, think about it, but the coaches have to decide at the beginning of the ball game if they're going to have fresh air, and if they are, it has to stay open all the way through so that you're not, you know, getting an advantage uh, if there's a wind or something. They're not getting an advantage when they shift uh, direction on the field. So there is a little thought going into that, but that field, uh, and this is the most impressive thing to me, actually rolls out of there. They wanted to play on natural grass, and so. Uh, that grass will wilt if they have it inside the building for too long. So the the opposite end, you see the glass, the windows on one end, at the opposite end of the stadium, that whole lower bowl section lifts up on uh, pistons and the field rolls out so that it can be put out in the sun so they can care for it out there. And the field that uh, UNLV, my understanding is the field that the uh, UNLV will play on is actually underneath the Raiders field. So, yeah, 1.8 billion buys you a lot of toys. It's amazing. Some of the technology in these new stadiums. I mean, I was watching Sunday Night Football on KSL TV over the weekend and they had, you know, four or five billion dollar SoFi Stadium. You've got one point eight billion dollar Allegiant Stadium. It's it's pretty amazing what they're doing these days. Now, Tim, I know that we've talked a little bit about your broadcast history and we've talked about your experience with glory kickboxing and you've, you've really come up with an excellent catchphrase that you're well known for with, are you ready for glory? So I have to ask you, have you thought about what you're going to say for the Raiders games? Yeah, first, a little story behind me. Are you ready for glory? Um, that was never a plan. When they hired me to do the glory shows clear back in 2013, all they had was uh, a tagline for the opening of the main event, which is what most combat sports have just before the main event. That's where Bruce Buffer, Michael Buffer, 
Jimmy Lennon Jr., they all do their taglines there. And it was always, it's time for glory. But one of the uh, uh, venue producers for glory actually said, you know, it just feels like we need something at the beginning to get things rolling. And I, I just threw out an idea. We were in New York City uh, for an event. And, and I said, how about, are you ready for glory? He said, give it a try. Let's see how it goes. And it became sort of the rallying cry for all of the uh, promotional videos that Glory has done through the years. And I haven't gotten to that level, to be honest with you, with uh, uh, the team down there in Vegas. But my, my dream would be if I could use that same line, only just throw football out there. And at the beginning of a game, just before the videos come on or just before the team is introduced to say either Raider Nation or Las Vegas, are you ready for football? I'd love to be able to do that, and I hope it's something that uh, we get the chance to do. I can't wait. You got me pumped. I want I want to be down there for Monday Night Football. I wish that I could be there to see the, you know, we've got two 1-0 teams. We've got the New Orleans Saints who beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in their first game, and then you've got the Las Vegas Raiders in their first game in Las Vegas since moving from Oakland, and they uh, beat down the Carolina Panthers over the weekend. So, you know, we've got this 1-0 matchup for both teams. Monday Night Football, it's going to be the only game on Monday. Who do you got, Tim? Who are you picking? Are you going to go with the Raiders or are you going to go with the Saints? You want my heart or my head here? Well, I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave that up to you. I'm not going to sway you anyway. Well, Josh Jacobs was a beast in that first game uh, for the Raiders. And that defensive stop on fourth and less than a yard was huge. But everybody knows that uh, the Panthers are not the Saints. And uh, the expectation is on paper and everything else that the Saints would win this ball game. I wish we had 65,000 people there in Vegas coming off of a successful debut so that the Raiders could put their best performance in uh, against what is going to be one of their toughest games all year. Um, You know, probably the Saints win this game. But how sweet would it be if the Raiders somehow found a way? And that young receiving uh, crew, by the way, for um, the Raiders, we watched that team camp. This Ruggs kid out of Alabama is amazing. And he is fast as lightning uh, and has great hands. And and, uh, Gruden knows he's going with a really young uh, team this year. I think they're the youngest team, second youngest team in the league. Um, Or maybe that's even just at the receiver position. But – uh, it was one of the things they wanted to improve this year. So there's some big question marks there. But, boy, it would be sweet to see the Raiders pull one off. You can find him on social media, on Twitter, at Voice by Hughes. You can also hear him weekdays from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. with Amanda Dixon on Utah's Morning News on KSL News Radio 1160, 102.7 FM. Tim, I know that Raiders fans and football fans everywhere are excited for football to get back to normal so we can head down to Allegiant Stadium and we can hear your voice fill that beautiful new stadium. But until then, I appreciate you being able to join the Yards After College podcast and have a good call on Monday. Thank you so much. And speaking of, uh, you know, after college, Chase Hansen, of course, is a backup for those Saints coming in. Taysom Hill will be their former BYU guy. And by the way, I mentioned I graduated in 1977 in Pocatello, Idaho. There were only two high schools when I went to school uh, back then. One was Pocatello High. One was Highland High. I graduated from Pocatello High, and um, Taysom graduated from Highland High. What are the chances that two guys 
from a small town like Pocatello, Idaho, end up in different capacities on Monday Night Football in Las Vegas. Dreams do come true, Connor. They do indeed. Thanks for your time, Tim. Thank you. back to the Yards After College podcast. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Tim Hughes as much as I did. I think that some of the insight that he was able to provide into you know what it's going to be like to call a game. Obviously, he hasn't done that yet you know, without fans inside of Allegiant Stadium, but to be able to be the first to do that is pretty cool. And uh, I think that, you know, sooner rather than later, Salt Lake City and Utah as a whole is going to be, you know, Raiders country. I think that you know, being able to have a team that's five, six hours down the road is going to be really interesting for a lot of fans to be able to drive down for games. And, you know, when when we're actually able to, you know, get back into, you know, the regular flow of things with sports, it'll be cool to be able to, you know, have an NFL team that Utah can kind of adopt as its own as, you know, we've seen kind of with the Vegas Golden Knights, that's kind of become Utah's NHL team as well. So happy to have that conversation with Tim Hughes for you. Appreciate Tim's time and him being able to take a few moments out of his busy schedule to be able to talk about the upcoming game with the New Orleans Saints and the Las Vegas Raiders at Allegiant Stadium. That game is going to be on Monday night. You're going to be able to watch that game on ESPN and it's going to be at 6.15 p.m. A number of local guys playing in that. You've got Caden Ellis, you've got Taysom Hill, and you've got Marcus Williams for the Saints, and then you've got Nevin Lawson from the Las Vegas Raiders. I think it'll be an exciting matchup, so I'm excited to watch that game on Monday night, but I want to start doing a couple of segments with you every week on the podcast, and one of those is picking not only an NFL game of the week, but I also want to talk about you know the MVP of the previous week, and also I like I like food. I like food and I like football with my food. And so we're going to talk about some game day grub uh, throughout this season. You know, I'm going to put out a, a poll or, you know, something on social media, on Twitter and also on Instagram uh, about, you know, what you guys are eating on game day because I, I like, you know, getting new ideas, whether, you know, it's barbecue and putting something out on the smoker, you know, making something in the oven. You know, I, I like food with my football games and I hope you guys do too. So, That'll be something to look forward to this week on social media. But I want to talk about uh, MVP of the week first. I know that we went through some of those highlight performances from this week's NFL games. And there were a number of guys that we could have gone with for the MVP of the week. But the one that I'm going to choose is, I think, is Zach Moss with the Buffalo Bills. He was able to get his first touchdown in his debut with Buffalo. The Jets, you know... I know that they've struggled in recent years, but that's a divisional game for Buffalo, and they were able to come out with a 10-point victory, 27-17, to uh, behind Zach Moss's nine carries for 11 yards, and then his three receptions for 16 yards and a touchdown. Zach Moss is my MVP of the week for our locals in the NFL. As far as game of the week is concerned, there's a number of good matchups this week that we could hone in on and say, you know, that's probably a good matchup. Obviously, the Monday night football matchup with the Saints and Raiders is a good one. Um, there's a number of other games. The, ba- the Panthers are playing at the Buccaneers. You've got Broncos versus Steelers. You've got, you know, Lions, Packers, a couple divisional games. I think that the one that I'm most keen to see, though, and it happens to be on Sunday night football on KSL TV, 
is the New England Patriots versus the Seattle Seahawks. We've got a former Super Bowl matchup from a couple of seasons ago. Obviously, the Patriots have a different quarterback. Tom Brady's no longer there, but Cam Newton looked really good in his debut in New England, and they were able to come out with a win. The Seahawks were dominant in their performance and their win over the Atlanta Falcons. And Russell Wilson, I I think he might be the NFL's MVP now. I know that I picked Patrick Mahomes in our you know previous podcast going over preseason picks, but my goodness, Russell Wilson was spectacular against the Falcons. He was 31 of 35 for 322 yards and four touchdowns. I don't know how you get much better than that. But uh, I think that that matchup between the Patriots and Seahawks, you'll be able to watch that on Sunday Night Football at 6.20 p.m. on KSL TV. That, that matchup's a great one to me, and that's going to be my game of the week recommendation for you guys to tune into. Um, again, happy to have you on the podcast. Uh, I, I want to try and make this you know interactive throughout the year, and I know that we're just getting going, but chime in. Let me know what you want me to talk about, You know, any ideas that you have, any segments that you'd like me to have included in the podcast, things that you want to go over. We're going to be able to involve those throughout the season we're only you know through week one and we've got a long way to go but last news before we wrap this uh, episode up today is uh, three news and notes that have occurred since the opening week of the nfl season you've got former utah cornerback josh nurse who was signed by the jacksonville jaguars they came away uh, with a week one victory over the indianapolis colts 27 to 20 You've got the Indianapolis Colts, who signed former Utah kicker and former Tampa Bay Buccaneers kicker Matt Gay to the team's practice squad on Tuesday. And then the Las Vegas Raiders added Nevin Lawson back to the team's active roster after he was suspended following an incident last season. Uh, He missed the first game of the season on Sunday, but he's going to be on the active roster for the Raiders uh, in their week two matchup versus the Saints. But in order to make move for make room, that is, for Nevin Lawson on the roster, they had to waive former Utah State defensive back Dallin Levitt, who's no longer on the Raiders roster. We'll see if he lands on their practice squad or if another team picks him up. But that'll do it for this week's episode of the Yards After College podcast. Again, you can follow me, Kyle Ireland, on Twitter at Kyle Ireland. You can follow me on Instagram at Kyle Ireland KSL. And then you can also follow all of KSL Sports on Twitter. It's at KSL Sports. And then be sure to read us at KSLSports.com and tune into Sports Beat. Catch all of the highlights for these NFL games on Sports Beat. You know, Sunday's not only the local guys in the NFL, but good plays around the NFL and as a whole. So tune into KSL Sports Beat every night and then also especially on the weekends to be able to get those nfl highlights that'll do it for this week's episode be sure to watch thursday night football you got the Bengals and browns and then we've got a full slate coming up on sunday and monday night football until then this has been the yards after college podcast brought to you by kslsports.com